like I Hold your head up high Till you find the bluebird of happiness You will find greater peace of mind Knowing there's a bluebird of happiness And when he sings to you Welcome to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick. And in today's episode, I'll be looking at the short story, If There Were No Benny Cimoli. Um, C-E-M-O-L-I. I'm not quite sure on the pronunciation exactly. Cimoli, I think. Anyways, this is a fo- This was published in December of 1963, the same month that Days of Perky Pat was published, and right after the, the two short stories... Raglan Park and Standby were published, and I already covered those stories. Now, Raglan Park is really a story about the media in large part, and this, so is this story. And in fact, this story is even a much more focused examination of the media, and it's a theme Dick didn't write about as much as we perhaps would have liked, because he seems to have a lot of interesting things to say about the role of media in our societies. So anyways, uh, this story was published in Galaxy in December of 1963. It can now be found in the fourth volume of the collected works of Philip Dick, Minority Report, uh, and other classic stories is the title that is usually under. So the story is about 15, 16 pages. So as always with these stories, I, I start with the, with the plot summary and then jump into some analysis. So I'll just go right into it and we'll see what we got here. Um, in the in the story, we have we first meet uh, John Leconte, and he witnesses a surprise arrival of a fleet from Proxima Centauri ten years after a major nuclear war destroyed most of the Earth's surface. They arrive under the banner of CURB, C U R B, the Centaurus Urban Renewal Bureau, and they decide that they will take charge in the rebuilding project on Earth, seizing authority from those who came earlier to take advantage of the opportunities on the devastated world. So essentially, they're taking authority away from the carpetbaggers, if you will. I'm not a big fan of that term, but it's, it's commonly enough known. So after the war, a bunch of carpetbaggers came to take advantage of the post-war environment, and CURB is coming in to, to provide, a, I guess, a more fair, and at least on the surface, um, taking authority away from them. The Earth Council, though, is opposed to their arrival, but it seems little can be done to stop them. Peter Hood of Curb sets up his headquarters in New York City, the old capital of, of the Earth, in order to secure legitimacy for his efforts. Mars and Venus, the neighboring planets that took over initial rebuilding efforts, were showing disappointing results, although they were making a start in, in re- rehabilitating Earth. You know, this, this idea of re- remaking Earth is I think a, a, a mark of Dick's 1960s works. In, the, in an earlier period, it's always about going to the frontier in the 50s. In the 60s, it's really Earth that kind of gets left behind and needs to be reclaimed in various ways. And that's gonna be pretty consistent throughout the 1960s. So Hood takes over the surviving structure, including the old headquarters of the homeostatic newspaper, the New York Times. And so this is actually our best story looking at how the homeopap, homeopaper, works in in Dick's novels. It's often there, but not always described. So we get we get the full description of how it works here. 
Hood wants to restore the newspaper's operations so it can play a role in the reconstruction as a propaganda engine, you know, providing news and informing the public and all that stuff that newspapers are supposed to do. Hood is discussing the prosecution of war crimes with Otto Dietrich later. Hood wants to move on and basically get beyond punishing the war criminals. But Dietrich thinks prosecuting war criminals who caused the deaths of millions of people is essential to the rebuilding effort. Most important is finding out who had authority when the quote-unquote misfortune happened, referring to uh, a major event during the war which led to the deaths of so many people on, on Earth. So it's a little bit of a debate over whether we punish the guilty or we have some kind of uh, peace and reconciliation committee or, or discussion process. Um, transformative justice. The newspaper, later, later we learn this newspaper has been started up again and is already, already realizing additions. The homeo page is automated. Taking, so this is how it works. The, the newspaper takes in all the information from the outside and organizes it into news. So it's like big data. Um, and we've seen that before with Vulcan's Hammer and, and other stories. But here it's, it's kind of an automated newspaper. That's what the whole meal paper is. Its first edition has news about Curb's arrival and its plans for the planet, obviously, because that's the big event of the time. But it's not a central government organ. It's not a pure propaganda age, engine. It prints news independent of political opinions because it is automated. This may work to the advantage of the people Dietrich wants to prosecute, who will be tipped off about you know the the prosecution efforts but a report on the on the new one of the newspaper editions reports on on a riot by backers of a man named Benny Kimoli Simoli who is asking for a return of social justice now that night an extra edition of the homeopath reports that the Simoli backers are planning a march on New York to oppose curb and these reclamation efforts. Hood asks LeConte's advice on this as a local politico and a local political actor. He says he might know about this Somoli guy because Hood certainly doesn't know anything about it. Hood threatens LeConte with imprisonment until he confesses that Somoli was a pre-war figure, but a minor obscure radical with few radio stations. Basically, he was kind of a nut working out of a, out of a trailer somewhere. Plus, he's been dead for 15 years, so it's not clear who these... This movement is there does it seems not to be true to life anyways this particular report now trying to solve the mystery of this Benny Tsimoli Hood's assistant Fletcher writes a letter to the New York Times asking how he can get in contact with Tsimoli's group almost immediately the homeopath responds that Tsimoli's recruiting officers offices are in New York so Hood organizes a small group of police to raid this location that's identified in the article this proves to be a grocery store run by a Greek man. They question him and later see a photo of Benny Tsimoli at the height of his power, whatever minor power that was, before the misfortune. So they arrest the Greek. It's revealed that the homeopath was reporting on incidents that happened before the misfortune and leading directly to it. The address was really a meeting place for Tsimoli before this misfortune. He seized power in New York in a coup, tried to solve the unemployment problem by starting wars in Latin America. These actions started the war. Tsimoli has since disappeared and his followers have been trying to erase the memory of Tsimoli. The homeopath picked up enough details to begin reporting on history, on this history as if it was news. So the suppression of the truth about how the war started was so 
effective that people like Hood and others only remember him as a minor figure. So it's a sense the 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 movement itself to erase its war crimes and the, and the horrible things to that were done in the name of Simoli you know, systematically purged the data. But since the homeo paper was able to re- ma- take in this mass amount of big data, they were able to reconstruct this history and then present it as, as truth, which it seems it was. Now, Leconte in Oklahoma City was falsifying the history of Benit Simoli and running that information to the New York Times. Homeo page feeds through an underground tunnel. So what he... What was, what's revealed then at the very last moment is that there's another layer of truth here, and that is it's Leconte who's creating this false data about Simoli, trying to inflate his actual purpose in order to distract Hood from the real underground movements and saying that as long as Curb is interested in Benny Simoli, there'll be no real war crimes trial. So it's, a, it's another story in which Dick gives us a problem, an answer, a solution to that answer, and then at the last moment pulls the rug out from under us and says, no, no, that was just a, a red herring. So in fact, it seems that Benit Simoli actually was simply a minor pre-war figure who is inflated by Leconte in an effort to try to keep the war crimes trials from taking place to protect the real perpetrators of the war crimes. So... You know, that's that's the story we have here. And the question we have is, can the media then be a truthful, authentic source of information, even if it's completely depoliticized, right? The political agents here, Hood and Kerb, very clearly don't have an interest in making the newspaper a propaganda engine. They wanted to report the news. But if, you know, fake news can be filtered in. Now, there's an article, right? So at this point with this in Raglan Park, maybe we can produce an article or do a conference paper on fake news in, in the works of Philip K. Dick, right? Of course, you have the penultimate truth too and other stories that do that, that look on that. So basically, that's the story we have here. Apparently, at, at the end, we learn that the real war criminals, the ones who should be punished, are going to get away with it because of a massive red herring campaign, the invention of this Benny Simoli guy, who maybe is not even real at all. Maybe he's entirely a fiction of, of the media. So anyways, um, it's actually kind of surprising that Dick wrote so little about the media in his stories and novels. Surely it's there in the background of a lot of stories, but rarely are we told what rarely are we told to take what the media says seriously now in what is in what if there was no Benny Simoli the most detailed look we get in his early stories and I can't really call him early anymore but there's almost nothing in the 50s that I think compares to this story in, in being an exploration of the media we see we we see how this homeopathy works which has showed up before and we'll see Celebrity news broadcasting, other stories and novels as well. I think it's something in um, Dr. Blood Money. It actually wasn't the game players of Titan 2. So he starts to develop an interest in in the media personality and the celebrity in the 1960s. So basically the way it works is the homeopape comes up in others. Well, the homeopape comes up in other stories and novels, but it's not really explained. And it's just it's kind of an interesting idea here. So with the possibility of big data, the mass collection of 
material in real time, it seems possible to do away with the traditional reporter. And to some degree, maybe that's already happening. How many of the newspaper or the online articles you've read were written by bots and, and you know, are just essentially clickbait written by bots? Probably more than you might suspect. And then even that stuff that's written by people might be written in a very formulaic um, way. But we have this possibility then to do away with traditional reporters. The data is collected through mass surveillance of society. And then maybe this is better because it'd be indifferent to political perspectives. A program is then created to sort through this and process the information, printing what's most important for release to the public. It seems to be a means to create a truly independent and fair news organ. Of course, Dick throws a wrench into all of this by having the New York Times homeopape used to perpetuate a false history of the war to enable war criminals to avoid prosecution by creating a whole history of this guy, Benny Tamoli, who will be the focus of prosecution efforts for war crimes, but actually was a nobody who, who died 15 years earlier. And therefore, we have the core problem of journalism remaining. The narrative is still not trustworthy and still potentially shaped by political interests. Essentially, we still have the problem of fake news. In this case, the entire, an entire personality is created. Perhaps Benny Tsimoli really, really was a small-time fringe radical before the war. Perhaps he did not even exist. His historical significance is entirely overblown in any case. In some note, on the notes on the story, Dick suggested that perhaps even Karl Marx was invented, a product of some hack writer. While I doubt this is true, many people, you know, are likely examples of, or could be, we could imagine, humans transformed in, we are examples of humans transformed into legends and myths over time, right? We, we have, obviously, Jesus, but there's all these other mythical figures, like maybe there really was a Moses who just got uplifted over time, or these kind of Greek heroes were actual people, you know, maybe just a soldier at some point. And, you know, there, there's that movie... Disney movie Hercules, which kind of makes, if you remember that movie, it's an animated one. It makes Hercules a, a kind of media event, right? A, a celebrity. And I think there was actually the, a version of Hercules. Is that the one with the rock? I actually didn't see it, but I read the reviews and there it seems all of the mythology of Hercules was, was also basically a media event to sell their services as mercenaries. So maybe there's something here to with all these historical figures or of really mythical figures who get their 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 life experiences inflated over time. So maybe Dick's concerns aren't entirely misplaced. I'm not sure it happens much in the modern era. I, I think it's much more likely with with pre-modern figures like like Jesus. Now, this entire urban renewal bureau is actually a wonderful creation on Dick's part. There are so many examples of these bureaus in our own world. These are the engineers, the aid agencies, the transnational organizations, the banks and the corporations and others eager to take advantage of a disaster. Whether it's a coup, a revolution, a flood or an earthquake destroying a city, there will be groups waiting to turn a disaster into an opportunity. And in some cases, it's 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 the dream of the urban planner, right, to go into a city after an earthquake and remake the ideal city on the ashes of the old. It is a form of what journalist Naomi Klein has called the shock doctrine. In her book, she talks about how capitalism loves disasters because it allows capital to flow in, right? And whether that disaster is a coup or a natural disaster or, an eco or maybe ecological disasters that will be increasingly familiar to us in the future, there are all ways for capital to get a foothold in societies that have maintained 
kind of a democratic control over the economy to a certain degree. Ur um, so sometimes these agencies create the shock, but often they're just profiting from it. Urban renewal itself is a destructive force that often eradicates communities, businesses, vernacular cultures in the name of social order, progress, or quote-unquote development. So beware these people when they come to your town. The wrecking ball is likely coming in their wake if it's not already at work. So anyways, really great stuff in If There Was No Benny Simoldi about fake news, I guess. I guess we can use that language um, now. Um, but there, there it is. But I also think the narrative on urban development and, and Dick's anxieties about these people with have, that have the power to remake our cities. Um, and that, that's going on. But then you have this other age, this, these other people working to remake our history even, right? Through using the homeopape as a way to muddy the waters of the truth. So both very interesting ideas and both very important for us in our modern era as we deal with the proliferation of fake news and mass-produced news and clickbait, um, bots writing newspaper articles and all that. So it's, it's a story to go back to and think about. So that is is what I want to say about if there was no Betty um, Tamoli. And this closes a very short unit here um, on the stories Dick published in 1963. So we are going to now move into the story or the novels of 1964, beginning with Dick's masterpiece, uh, one of Dick's masterpieces, uh, the Martian time slip. So that'll be next on the docket. So thank you, as always, for listening. Leave your own opinions about this story below in the comments or send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will, I'll be back next time with uh, my first part of a multi-part coverage of Martian Time Slip. You must search till you find the bluebird. You will find peace and contentment forever if you.